Welcome to the 10K Collective podcast for six, seven and eight figure Amazon and e-commerce sellers, part of the amazing FBA podcast family. If you want to scale fast, target a seven figure exit and enjoy the process, then keep listening. Do you want to grow your business bigger and faster? A free audit of your Amazon business can help you see and avoid threats and find missed golden opportunities. I generally charge $150 or more per hour, but this would be free. You can be a reseller or a brand owner. All I ask is that you're doing a few thousand dollars a month in sales already. Just visit myamazonaudit.com, scroll down, click on Amazon Audit and book in a time. That's M-Y-A-M-A-Z-O-N-A-U-D-I-T. Look forward to speaking to you on your audit. If you'd like resources and links and other help to do with today's episode, just go to amazingfba.com forward slash 479. Hey folks, Michael Veazey here from Amazing FBA and the 10K Collective. Today I want to talk from the acquirer's perspective. So I'm reviewing right now some Amazon businesses for sale that I may potentially consider acquiring. And what I'm coming across is some quite, to me, quite shocking level of poor numbers, which really, really, I can tell you from the acquirer side, it's slightly annoying. It may even feel a bit insulting. I'm, I'm not saying my reaction is very mature or good, but that might be the reaction of other people as well if you give them completely garbled numbers. So I'm here to say uh, quite strongly that if you are considering selling your business, you and maybe you and a broker need to work really hard to make sure you don't make these mistakes with numbers because I can tell you it sure as heck does not build your credibility to make these mistakes. So here are the mistakes I'm seeing with numbers. You just need to do the opposite. And if you're not in a position to have the opposite in place yet, that's fine. Go and put systems and processes in place and do the work so that you can get these things sorted. So number one, even your sort of elevator pitch your business needs to include a few details that make it possible for a buyer to assess is this in my my remit most acquirers have acquisition criteria so you know what's the category you're in on amazon where do you sell is it us uk europe somewhere else you know and roughly what is the revenue of the business even if you don't want to reveal the the bit or the earnings right at the very very early stages of a conversation your very first conversation so that's mistake number one is just giving so little detail that nobody can possibly make any kind of even initial, oh, yeah, I'm interested. Tell me more decision. Mistake number two, where do I stop? <laughs> Don't not telling the business age. If you're not revealing the business age, it's really impossible to, to tell what value to put on it. Uh, businesses that are under uh, a year old, the, the average small business has something like 40, 50% chance of failure in year one. By the time you get to year 10, you got a 90% chance of success. It's, it really, really, really changes with age. Now, the Amazon space is relatively young and quite a few of the businesses there are quite young. So two or three-year-old businesses aren't that unusual, but there's a big difference in the value for me. And I think for most people, including any lenders that are going to lend money against it in a two-year or a three-year versus a five or seven-year-old business. So I think you've really got to be clear about that. And, and again, tell people up front, I don't think you're revealing terribly sensitive information. Maybe at this point, you're looking at signing the NDA or something around about now, that's fine. But if you don't communicate that, you're just asking for a bunch more emails or texts or PMs back and forth and you're wasting everyone's time. Number three, unit sales for the training 12 months. 
I really need to see that. So if you've got a P&L and it's unclear, then, you know, that's one thing. We'll talk about that in a second. But even if you've got a clean P&L, I need to know that the unit sales. If you don't tell me that, I can't judge the stock. Okay, number five, let's talk about the profit and loss. I see pretty garbled numbers from people. And that's probably because they downloaded something from Amazon and bashed the sheet roughly into shape. But if you are VAT registered, and I really need to see the revenue um, without the VAT, without stripped out. Now, I'm not a VAT specialist. I'm not going to tell you how to do it. I don't give tax advice. And I'm not going to start now. But you really need to to clean that up. If you're confused about it, then welcome to the club. Talk to your accountant. If you haven't got a good accountant, if you're trying to sell your business, you really, really need an accountant to clean your books up before you even consider talking to a business broker, let alone a buyer or potential buyer. I, I cannot stress this enough. It is just kind of, it just looks incredibly incompetent or like you're trying to pull a fast one, you're hoping to find an ignorant buyer. And, and there aren't that many people who are able to buy businesses. Those people are normally capable enough to know their numbers. And so you're probably not going to be able to fool them. You'll just look either incompetent or shady. And you don't want to do that. So really make sure you know your profit and your revenue net of, uh, net of VAT. Number six, and I can't believe I have to say this, trailing 12 months means the last 12 months. <laughs> not some random number of months you put in. It sounds like a crazy thing to say, but I've literally had some people on the recent times give me their trailing 24 months and call it TTM, which stands for trailing 12 months. That, that is, again, either a signal to me that you're totally incompetent or that you're shady. Okay, so that's the mistakes we've seen so far. And these are all actual things I've seen, not all necessarily in one place, but let's keep going with my list. Number seven, inventory mistakes. The most important one is trying to persuade somebody that they should buy all of your inventory when there's really excess inventory. So if you've got some of those products that you bought, and frankly, you weren't very successful, and you got two years worth of stock based on your trailing 12 months of, of sales. So you bought a thousand units because you thought you could sell that through in a few months. And it turns out you're selling 50 units a month. Well, okay, that means you've got 1,000 divided by 50, which is uh, about 20 months worth of stock. I, I don't think it's reasonable or very realistic <laughs> for you to find somebody who's going to buy 20 months worth of stock off you because, number one, that's tying a lot of cash up. Number two, it's not normal to buy more than eight months worth of stock, even if you're importing and, and quite a lot less than that if you're not importing. Maybe a year's worth of stock, so 12 months worth. Number three... Again, it sends me the wrong signal. You either think I'm an ignorant or you're hoping that I am or you're ignorant about these things, neither of the, which is good. The reality is if you have more stock than several months, certainly a year, absolute max for me personally, don't expect me to buy the inventory. You can give it to me if you want to get it off your hands. People sometimes do that. It's quite common. Why would you give away inventory? Because otherwise you're going to have to pay for disposing of it from Amazon. And of course, that's a pain and a cost and management time as well. So I give away your excess inventory, but don't expect people to buy really excess inventory because that's just not realistic. And again, it just makes you look either shady or incompetent, which isn't good. Okay, number eight, when it comes to inventory, it's really going to be very practical and important for the buyer to know where is the inventory, i.e. is it sellable? If you've got a bunch of inventory in China, for example, and you're selling in the US or UK, uh, then it's going to take 
what, potentially a couple of months to ship it across from China to be sellable and ready in the US or UK or Germany or wherever it may be. So, you know, I need to know where the inventory is. Even this is on a broad scale thing, right? Even if you don't break it down skew by skew. Although at some point when you're under NDA and once you build a bit of trust, you probably, I'd say you're probably going to need to do it. So, so clarity about inventory and not being silly about asking for excess inventory to be paid is really important. And by the way, let me just touch on this because this is one of the, the psychological barriers that business owners have to overcome when they're selling something. Just because you put blood, sweat, and tears and a lot of your money into something does not give it commercial value. And when you try and sell your business, and when you're specifically, we're talking here about the inventory part of it, it doesn't have any commercial value just because you paid $5 a unit for 10,000 units doesn't mean that that is $50,000 worth of inventory. Because if you bought a bunch of stuff that is essentially unsellable, you've got excess inventory, in other words, why would I want that as the buyer? I might just say, no, it's your problem. You, you dispose of it, and that's a condition of the deal going ahead. And that is an emotional letting go process for the business owner, which is understandably difficult. And I get it. I've been there with excess inventory. Who hasn't? He's sold on Amazon. But I think you have to be very realistic about the fact that just because you paid $5 a unit for it doesn't mean it's worth anything now. And it may be worth something to some liquidator somewhere, but it's going to be pennies on the dollar or you know pennies on the pound. That's a brutal reality and, and it's hard to get your head around, but that's the sort of thing that can block a deal from going ahead. And if I may say so, I think that's a little foolish because there is no way you're going to realize that value. It may be a book value. Your accountant might say that that's what it is. But if you can't sell it in any way, shape or form without reducing the price of the floor, then it's not actually worth that money, in my opinion. And look, that's the sort of thing you can spend ages negotiating, but I would encourage you to do the letting go of the sunk costs in advance before you speak to a broker, but certainly before you speak to the buyers. Okay, I think we're up to number nine now. So number nine issue that I'm seeing is just generally, I would say it's an overall thing. Don't try and fool anyone or have unclear critical numbers like the earnings. So most acquirers are somewhat numbers driven. I certainly am as well. So I think you've got to understand that when you're selling a business, what you're selling is essentially a different form of package to what a consumer sees. A consumer doesn't see your profit and loss or how clean your numbers are, and they don't care, rightly so. They care about how well your product's presented, how beautiful the packaging is, what their unboxing experience is, whether they enjoy using the product when it comes out the box, does it last, is it durable? All those things, of course. But when you're selling a business, you are really selling in the end a sort of cash machine and an, uh, a set of assets and cash flows, and therefore the numbers are the principal listing, if you will, the, the selling mechanism for your acquirers. I hope that makes sense. So treat your numbers really, really seriously and make them clean and clear and, and reassuring. And you've gone a long, long way. And number 10 is pretty simple, but again, there's a mentality to overcome here and that's excessive valuations. So if I'm seeing a business with about a 10% profit margin, which is not uncommon in 2023. The profit margins for businesses have gone down. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean the operating margin. So assuming there's no leverage, no interest or debt being used. That's more or less the same as EBITDA and it's before interest tax depreciation and amortization. We can fall down rabbit holes here, right? But the, the basic idea, okay, is it a high or low profit business? So if it's about 10%, that's on the low side of average these days. 
if it's quite small in absolute terms and it's a moderately generic product and it's been around for two years, maybe three years, then I don't think you can be asking for a premium multiple for that. And for me, the, the highest multiple I've seen in the business personally is five and a half times for one of the brands one of my clients sold in January 2022. Now, number one, that had about a 30% pre-tax profit or operating margin. Number two, that was in the time when the aggregators were buying businesses like crazy. So for me, that's kind of the ceiling for a smaller business of, you know, with maybe $100,000 to $200,000 or pounds of, of, of earnings of EBITDA of profit. So if you're in that sort of realm, five times earnings represents a really, really high markup, in my opinion. Two times is right at the lower end. So somewhere between those is where your business is going to sit. If your profit margins around the average of the market at the moment, say 10 to 15%, and you haven't got a particularly great product catalog, and it's only two or three years old. Oh, by the way, my client's business that sold for 5.5 times EBITDA was about seven years old at that point. Well, then if it, those factors are not going to push you to be you know, realistically even asking for five times, I mean, yes, you've got to expect you ask for a higher price and then somebody's going to bargain you down and you need to leave some wiggle room. I get that. But if, if your pricing looks really excessive, again, you just don't look plausible. Like if you kind of come closer to what a buyer is actually going to buy it for, then you look like a sensible operator. I would say that you really don't want to be overpricing things to an insane point where you just look again either incompetent or shady it's like there's no way on earth with some of the businesses i've looked at that they are to anybody sane worth five times earnings and yet they've been listed at that or even more and my perception as the buyer is that they're hoping to find either a dumb buyer who doesn't know what they're doing or they expect to be called on their bs <laughs> they expect to have somebody say that's not really worth it i, I don't know it sends a bad signal to me and I don't think I'm alone in that. So those are 10 mistakes that I see with the numbers. And these are actual from real life. As I say, they're from a, two or three different deals I've been looking at recently, not all in, in one thing. But these are some of those sound so crass that it's hard to believe that they're real. And you think, who would do that? Trust me, I've seen it, which blows my mind. So this is why I'm putting this out now. So if you are a business owner, just make sure you get it right. So again, as Kevin and Mr. Wonderful says, know your numbers so just to quickly reiterate give enough information up front for some before you even you know get into a further conversation with the buyer don't just give us the name of the the brand and what the value of of the business or the price of the business is tell me at least you know what category it is it is in and a few things like that what else give me clean pnl without give me the business age Give me the earnings net of VAT. If you can't work that out, talk to your accountant. Be clear about inventory. If you've got excess inventory, don't expect to get paid for it. If your inventory is all over the, the globe, make sure that you're clear about what's sellable um, and in the USA, if you're selling the US or in the UK, if you're selling the UK versus what's in China and needs importing. Because if you buy, if I bought the business and then I go out of stock for two months on my bestseller, that's going to really impact it. And I would want to know that. And if I don't know that, I wouldn't go ahead. Make sure you tell us what the unit sales trend in 12 months are so I can make some kind of stock turn calculation. And then, yeah, well, the other things I'm trying to even remember now, I should have made a better list here. Yeah, don't come up with ridiculous valuations. That's the main thing as well. Clean and clear numbers, folks, and plausible valuations. That's what we're really looking at. If you want to go and really 
uh, get a great value for your business, it has to actually be worth that. And that means you've got to engineer the entire business to be high value. So the last takeaway from this is instead of making those mistakes, be honest about what you've built. Trying to fool people or fudge the figures will never work because even if you manage to get an offer, the due diligence done by an accountant, they're going to find out anyway. And then you're going to kill your own deal by being dishonest or being competent. And if you don't think that the number that's going to come out of selling this business in its current form is what you want, then instead of doing all that shady stuff, I would urge you to grow the value of your business such that it is genuinely worth really good money. And that can take some time and serious effort, but I think it's worth it. Don't neglect the basic things. The profit margin in absolute terms, so how big that is, will affect the multiple in itself. The business that has a million dollars in EBITDA is worth more as a multiple than a business with 100,000 EBITDA. It's kind of obvious why, because they're somewhat rarer and smaller businesses are more vulnerable to small movements in, in the market or various things. Now, bigger businesses just have a bit more momentum, just like a big vehicle or a big ship has momentum than some little cabin cruiser. And also the percentage of pre-tax profit or operating margin is really, really important. If you can push hard to make a really efficient business that gets you 20% margin, that's a much more valuable than one with 10% margin. And the kind of obvious thing to say, but it's really more valuable. And you should be able to ask for not just more money, but a multiple, i.e. much bigger amount more money. So it's really worth working hard to create that beautiful business. Right, enough of a rant from me, rant from the buyer side of the table. If you're wanting to be a seller of a business, go and make sure you do the opposite of those mistakes. Thanks for listening. Speak to you soon. Do you want to grow your Amazon business bigger or faster? I bet you do. If so, a free audit of your Amazon business can help you see and avoid threats and find some golden missed opportunities. Generally, I charge at least $150 an hour these days for my time, but this is free. You can be a reseller or a brand owner. All I ask is that you're doing at least a few thousand dollars a month in sales. If you are, just go to myamazonaudits.com, scroll down, click on Amazon Audit and book in a time and we'll see each other on a Zoom call. That's M-Y-A-M-A-Z or Z-O-N A-U-D-I-T dot com. Thank you very much listening and I hope to see you on a call soon. If you would like resources and links and other help to do with today's episode, just go to amazingfba.com forward slash 